as a, as a body, you know, there's some values that have been instilled into who we are that we don't necessarily have on the, the books, but these are the things that are distinctive to who we are. Uh, it's, it's the difference between how your family, how, how your house smells versus how your friend's family house smells and, and what they eat and what you eat. And, and these are the things that define us as a family. Some of the ways we express being in family is that we look for opportunities to eat together. I, I look for any opportunity to eat with you guys. Um, play together, celebrate together, mourn together, fight for each other, share the chores. Um, we respect one another when, even when we disagree. Uh, when I've got an issue with someone, I want to talk about it. Uh, and if I can't talk to them about it, I'll talk to a leader who will help me talk to them about it. We're not going to have sideways conversation. We'll go either up or to that person. I won't be involved just when it's convenient. Uh, I'll tell my leadership when I smell, smell smoke in my life, not just when the fire's ablaze, but when, when things are beginning to lean, I'll be looking for people who can help me. And, and on the flip side of that, if we're in a relationship and we see, we see smoke, we're going to be bold enough to say, hey, I see smoke, how can I help? We forgive quickly and are slow to give or take offense. We pray for those who encourage, we pray for and encourage one another, bearing each other's burdens and celebrating each other's joys. We, we cover each other and do not needlessly expose each other's weaknesses. We're not gonna, we're not gonna gossip. That, in, that includes gossipy prayer requests. <laughs> Just talk to God. You don't have to talk to you. Um... Unlike your natural family, God may call you out of this family. And if God calls you to a new place, um, you won't just fade away. You won't ghost us. You'll talk. You'll express God's move in your heart. And you'll give us an opportunity to pray for you and join in faith with you. Um, and when you're no longer able to, to be a part of this body, you, you'll commit to be a part of another body, Christ. That is Christ-centered, spirit-empowered and socially responsible. This, this is what defines us as a people. And these, these are the things that, that they're the intangibles that, that we say from the front and we don't always execute perfectly, but that's our desire. So I'm excited that we have new people who are committed to us. All right, let me, um, let me back up. Number of things going on. I'm Eddie, by the way, so hi. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I said that at the forefront, but if you're new, my name's Eddie. If you're not new, my name is still Eddie. Um, so it's good to see you. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, we have, as we said, Easter coming up, so we're, we're preparing for that. We're excited for what God is going to do there. We're, we're trying to raise our faith and our expectation that, that we're going to be able to reach our community, right? This Route 7 corridor that we talk about, some north, some south, uh, but east and west certainly, this Route 7 corridor with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to invade this place and help God to establish and, and extend his kingdom into this area. So my hope is that you have begun to think about the people that you want to invite to church, the people that you want to encourage to, to experience God. So I'm going to begin to talk about this and we'll, we'll continue to remind you of these things. I, I want you to get your phone out right now. If you have a phone, if not, paper is awesome. I believe in paper as well, whatever it is. If you've got a, an amazing memory, then use that as well. I want you to write down the name of five people 
that you will commit to praying for and inviting to church. Because we have the gospel. Easter is kind of about the gospel. We want to share that gospel with our friends, family, and neighbors. So I want you to think about these people and then begin to pray for them. You can, you can text them right now. Just be like, hey, I'm praying for you, thinking about you. Hope you're doing well. Call them, talk to them. You know, I know that we're in a, an age of texting, but you can still make a phone call. It works. You can talk to people face to face. And just ask them, hey, do you have any Easter plans? Right now, I bet most of them would say no. So don't, don't, don't agree to do this and wait until the day before Easter. Hey, you got Easter plans? No. Oh, man, well, I was going to invite you to church, but now I don't have to do that awkward thing. No, step out in faith and let's, let's do it. Um, and, and, pray, and then pray for them. This is super important. We, we, this, is what, this is what we do. This is what we do. And if you're freaked out about that, I'm right there with you. You don't want to be that guy that they're like, oh no, he's coming, get back in your house. But, you know, this is, this is how we express love. So, so that's that. Let me pray real quick. Father God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you've given us this, this testimony, this, this good news about Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would help us to carry it well. And Lord, I pray that you right now, you would help us to get a sense of your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A little bit about myself. Uh, I moved up here in 2006. I lived in, in Dale City when I was even younger, but we went to North Carolina. Long story short, I moved up here in 2006 because I had a background in computer science. If you don't know what that means, that's just, I was a big nerd. And I did math, and, and I liked it, and computers, and I liked it. And, and this was a great area, as most of you know, with Amazon coming. This is, this is computer town on the East Coast. And so I was excited. I brought my, my newlywed wife up, and we were, we were excited. We were living life. I had everything. You know, I had a beautiful wife. I had a job, and I had a, a one-bedroom apartment. I didn't have everything, but I had... I had a lot of things that were going well for me. Uh, I was growing in competence and experience at work, believe it or not. Uh, And I was serving in the youth ministry uh, wherever I could, which at the time meant I literally played Halo with teenagers and then I just left. So as a a side note, is our team here? Volunteer recruitment strategy tell them to play video games and then say they can lead after that and then eventually they'll become pastors. <laughs> but I, 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 was, I was serving and I was being successful in my, in my career, but it, I came to this, this kind of crisis moment of purpose where I had to ask myself, what is, what is the point here? I mean, I was a believer, I, I loved the Lord, I, I trusted in him, this was not a question of, you know, who's God? It was a question of, when I die and they put me in the ground, what do I want to have done and accomplished? What is my purpose? And in answering that question, I left the IT world behind and, and went into full-time ministry. 
this don't worry, this message is not so that everyone will go into full-time ministry, although perhaps some of you. But have you ever had, I hope that you have, have you ever had a moment of crisis where you, you look at your life and things are going fairly well maybe, but you realize, oh my goodness, I've been doing this on autopilot. Why am I doing this? And you have this kind of existential dread of, what did I just do with the last few decades of my life? Or, or maybe, maybe you're, you know, some of you are younger and you're not really like, what's a decade? I mean, I'm 15 or 20 or whatever. But you're looking out to the future and you're saying, I've got decades ahead, old man. And, and the question you ought to be asking is, how do I define these decades now rather than look back and say, well, let's see what I can do with the 20 I have left or whatever. What does this crisis of, of purpose look like for you? Today I want to consider what God has to say about your purpose and my purpose, our ultimate purpose. So I want us to open up our Bibles to Psalm 150. Psalm 150. Just bear with me for a second here. Okay, we're going to go ahead and stand and read it together. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come here and would impress upon us the deepest, most profound purpose for which we've been created to bring praise, glory, and honor to our God. Father, I pray that all other purposes would fall into alignment under that ultimate purpose and that all purposes in our lives that, that run contra to that would, would be repented of and today we would walk out as people on a mission to live a purposeful Christ, God-centered life. Lord, move in our hearts. Do what we cannot do. Align our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love the Psalms. It's an interesting book. It's a, it's a huge collection of, of poems and, and it was the it was the hymn, hymnal for, for the early church and even for the Old Testament believers. It was the way that they related to God. It's the means by which we can, we can realize that it's okay to have emotion. You can look in the Psalms and see joy and, and sorrow and passion and despair. And yet it, it always it tends towards bringing us back to this idea of a purpose in God. And if you, if you look, there's, there's some organization to the book of Psalms. And I'm not going to go into all of that because I'm not. 
But I will say that, that Psalm 1 opens up and it's this wisdom psalm and it says, you know, blessed is the, the man who does not walk or stand or sit in, in these evil ways, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And it's kind of setting the pace for the rest of the, the book. It's saying, this is how we want to live. We want to live a life of wisdom. We want to live a life that's connected with the word of God. We want to live a life that is connected with the person of God and with the result that we have success. And we have a blessed life. We live, we live a happy life. So the psalmist in, verse, in chapter one, he, he paints a picture. This is what living this particular way, this Godward lifestyle looks like. And we come to 150. And in my mind, 150 is, among other things, the eulogy of a person who has lived this kind of life. They've, they've spent their decade after decade after decade living, not standing in the way of the wicked or sitting in the seat of the scoffer or, or walking, etc., but, but delighting themselves in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, living in a way that reflects that meditation, obeying God, walking in faithfulness toward God, walking in obedience to God, loving him, loving their spouse, loving their children, caring for the community, being faithful to who God is in their career. And they come to the end of their life and they realize that their life is, is summarized in the phrase, hallelujah. That, that word there, praise the Lord, that, that's Hallelujah. So Psalm 150, it starts, hallelujah, praise God in the sanctuary. And it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. It goes on and at the end it says, hallelujah, one more time. What a fitting way to end a book that describes a life that is focused on, directed toward God. This, 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 uh, this Psalm gives us a picture of purpose. I, I wanted to step back because we're out of a, a series. we just gotten through a series on prayer. We're gonna jump into another series in a little bit, but we have this little gap right here. And I wanted to step back for us to consider why we even do life here at Grace. Why do you come to church? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you uh, remain faithful to your spouse? Why do you try to parent your children in a godly manner? Why do you do all of these things? It's it's a good thing to come and create in your own heart if you've never had it a crisis of purpose because we want to live for a reason. We believe that life is ordered, that there is a God, that that reason uh, allows us to say that that this is a good path and that's a bad path, and we want to be on the good path. We want to be on the right path. We want to be living with intention. I remember uh, Kurt talking about compound interest. And it's like, it's magic, basically. But the sooner you can get some money invested in, in, in some sort of investment that does com- compound interest, the sooner you can kind of get in line with that purpose, the more return you'll get. And, and this, this, this psalm is going to give us a picture of what it looks like to get in line with God's purpose, with the hope that, that when we have this crisis of purpose, when we consider what our purpose is, if we'll jump in, Right? If we'll jump into the compound interest of God's purpose, we'll live a life that has great returns. So we're going to talk about four things. The where of our praise, the why of our praise, the how of our praise, and the who of our praise. First of all, the where of our praise. Let's look at verse 1. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. So here the psalmist says, praise him in his sanctuary and praise him in his mighty heavens. He's saying there ought to be praise happening basically everywhere. And not only that, he talks about the sanctuary, the temple, the place where in the Old Testament the the heavens and the earth intersect. This was the place that people went to, to to see and experience and know God. It's kind of foreign to us because we can go to this church, I can throw a rock and you can hit another church, or you can go and pray at home. And we have a very different view of the presence of God. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit wasn't indwelling in every single person. He would come upon people for a purpose. He would give them anointing for a particular task. And other, other than that, you would go to the temple. And, and even that relationship with God was mediated by these priests. You would come to them. They would represent God to you in an imperfect way. And then you would hope that, that your sacrifice that you were offering would, would, would take And so in the sanctuary, in the presence of God on earth, the place where God rests on earth, he says, praise God. How much more ought we to praise God now that by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God dwells within us. We are his temple. You don't have to to run to a particular town to get into the presence of God. We were worshiping today and and I was just, I was struck by just the, the presence of God. And, and the amazing thing about it is we don't even have to have the, the goosebump feelings as, as gracious as God is to give them to us. We can take him on his word and say, I'm a believer. The Holy Spirit dwells within me. I am by his creation an intersection between heaven and earth. Praise God on the earth. Part of our, part of our purpose is that wherever we are, we are praising him. If you're at a job and you hate that job, you can still praise God. If you're at home and you've got children and you love those children in a very forceful, you better listen and get in line way, you can praise God in there. If, you, if you're finding yourself in a situation where you don't have a job and you don't know what to do and you're, you're kind of, you know, with the wind... You can still praise God in that moment. You are still an intersection between heaven and earth where the presence of God is and you can say, praise God. There's not a place that you and I can go to where we can't say, praise God. There's not a place that anyone can take you where you can't say, praise God. You can praise God wherever. The praise of God fills his creation. But not only that, it's in heaven. And I reflect on this often, the fact that God created us to worship him and then we're doing it in our way and we're growing in our faithfulness to him and because of our sin nature, we, we struggle to, to obey. But, but he created some beings and they're called angels and they just do that all the time. That's their job. They're worshipers. And, and they're in heaven now worshiping God. They do not care what's happening on Twitter right now. They do not care who is trending on the gram. They are saying, praise the Lord. And when Instagram is gone, when the next thing is in, when all of a sudden we're, you know, we have brain implants and we can see our 
follow list or whatever in our mind's eye, they're still going to be worshiping God. When we come to our next innovation in, 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 in humanity, they're still going to be doing the same thing, worshiping and praising the God who spoke creation into being. The psalmist says, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. That is the where. But he goes on to talk about the why. And it's funny because it's just one small verse, but it's, it's one of those things where, I don't know if ever, anyone's ever had a conversation with you and you're talking and maybe you're having a discussion or a, 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 a lively debate and they just like say four words and punch you in the face with them. And you're like, well, I did not expect that. You were clearly smarter than me. You were more well prepared for this conversation than I was. And he says this, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. How mighty are God's deeds? How mighty are your deeds? My deeds, not so mighty. You know, I, uh, I sometimes struggle to get the jar lid off. Um, I, I hurt my back by sleeping. <laughs> not so mighty. Right? I just got old. I just got a little older. I'm not even that old. I just. God's mighty deeds, He's in, in He's not in, He's just existing because there's nothing. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, fully happy, fully complete, fully satisfied. And He's like, you know what? Let's just make a bunch of stuff. Okay. Let there be stuff. And there was stuff. Lots of stuff. More stuff than we can even comprehend in our tiny little brains. Again, we, we, have you ever just looked at the stars and remembered that they exist? That they're not just little points of light, but gigantic balls of fire? In space, spinning around like crazy? And, and he just did it. Now, the funny thing is, 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 is this study even, even really pertain to that. It, it talks more about his, his great deeds in, in salvation. I mean, have you considered that God had a plan before the foundations of the world to bring salvation about? You know, he creates Adam and Eve, and they're like, I got this one rule, man. One rule, guys. Just don't eat from this tree. And what do they do? They see a talking snake, and they say, we're going to listen to this guy. Seems like a good idea. They break the law. The fall happens. But God is prepared. In Genesis 3, verse 15, we, we see that God says, you know, the seed of the woman is going to come and he's going to crush the head of the seed of the serpent. Even in, you don't have to wait till the New Testament to hear God's great deeds being planned and prepared. He clothes them. He provides for them. He provides for Noah, and I understand that, that it's kind of a weird thing to be like, God saves Noah, and it's a great deed because he's also judging, so he could have just not made that happen with the whole flood thing. But the reality is the flood happened, and God saved Noah, and that salvation was a great deed. God calls Abraham out of pagan worship of a moon idol, and he says, I'm going to make you into a, I'm going to make you into a people. He, he takes his, he takes Abraham's wife, who is, a hundred years old or something like that. Pretty old, you know. I don't know if she's 
she'd be high risk in our time for a baby. I don't know. There's some nurses in the the room. They can confirm. But I'm fairly certain that that would not be something, you know. And that's that's amazing. If you've ever experienced barrenness in your family, you know that that is a, a great and amazing deed. And God just did it. So many times. Just to show his, his power, show his salv- salvific power. And then, you know, the, the Israelites go into Egypt and they, they multiply and become great. Pharaoh forgets about his deal with the, the Israelites and he realizes that these people have to go and he, he really puts a burden on them. And what does God do? God hears his people and he mightily saves them. He uses a stuttering murderer and his goofy brother and, and defeats a whole army to prove a point. <laughs> These are my people. Well, I mean, this is, this is amazing. And sometimes when we relate to the Old Testament, we hear these things and immediately we either see like Charlton Heston or we see like a weird Christian cartoon that we watched when we were, you know, six. And, and we kind of disconnect from the reality of that. But it's not like God employed, uh, you know, Lucas films to kind of create the special effects to make that happen. No, he actually parted the Red Sea. He actually represented himself as a pillar of fire and a pillar of, of, of cloud. He actually brought them out of, he, there was actually donuts, I like to believe, raining from heaven. <laughs> Which is kind of, I mean, if you've ever had a, a donut the day after, it's no good. You kind of have to have that that day. It's, it's, and then the rest of the Old Testament is just an expression of God continually calling his people back, saving them, calling them back, saving them. And then the New Testament. I mean, we have the psalmist, I mean, he's kind of looking forward and saying, man, God's, he's done great things, but we get to see God become a person. I mean, I, I love the, the, converse, the, the turns of phrase that we get during Christmas time of like the baby who was in the manger, who created the wood that came from, much more poetic than what I just said, but it's mind-blowing that the God of the universe who sustains, the Bible says he sustains it. He keeps it. If, if, if for some reason Jesus got distracted, we would just cease to exist. That God becomes a baby, which if, you, if you've ever seen a newborn baby, they are beyond helpless. I mean, they're just kind of like, you know? They're just all flail. I, I kept my baby's clothes. You guys don't get the wrong idea. I wasn't just like... Anyways, talk to my wife, I promise. We get to see the mighty deeds of God. And, and beyond that, if this, is, if this is still too far out there, how many mighty deeds has God done for you today? I mean, talk, sometimes we think of salvation as just those moments where God, he convicts me of sin and I, I have this feeling I'm at church or someone talks to me and they, they, they do, there's something amazing that happens. But God right now is telling your, your heart to beat. You're not telling your heart to beat. And he's telling your heart to beat for a purpose. He's not just doing it because, well, it's just, I guess he's alive. 
No, he's saying, I have a purpose for his life. I want him to be a church. I want him to hear about my salvation. I want him to respond in faith. I'm going to make his heart beat. This is a mighty deed. You're breathing. I'm breathing. We're breathing. Yes. You ever have those moments where you think about breathing and you kind of like freak out? You're like, oh, you try to take over. Like, come on, limbic system, take it back. I don't want it. I don't know if it's the limbic system, whatever. That's why I'm not a doctor. What he said. JC always would think, okay. He's so smart. The point is, it's a mighty deed. It's a mighty deed for me to even say that. Um, We have a purpose, and the purpose is so much bigger than who we are. You know, I'm convinced that the reason we love competition, the reason we love sports, the reason we love um, some aspects of entertainment is because it invites us into something that is infinitely bigger than us. It gives us a purpose that extends beyond my Monday through Friday. You know, when you're on a team, when when you're part of a club, when you're part of an association, you're part of something that's bigger. Your life has meaning beyond you breathing. And what God says with these mighty deeds is, I'm inviting you into this. I'm inviting you into my purpose. We want to praise God for his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. That's the why. He goes on to talk about the how. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing, clashing cymbals. I love it when... I know that this is very like, you don't have to have drums to worship God, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. I'm thankful for them. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, God is good. And, you know? Or like, there's a, anyways, I, I enjoy the drums. Um, great job, guys. But he, he says, praise Praise the Lord with what? With everything. I mean, he, he basically makes a pretty exhaustive list of the various types of instruments that, that they had and the means by which they could praise God. Tambourine, trumpet, lute, harp, guitar, strings, pipe, sound, cymbals. I mean, if, if ever you were concerned about whether or not it was okay to make a joyful noise, cymbals, bang, bang. That could be you. That could be your thing. You could be the cymbal guy. I'm going to worship God with my symbols. But, but step back. God, he's saying, praise him with everything. And maybe you don't play an instrument, but you can praise him with your life. You can praise him with your attitude in the morning. You can praise him with your words. You can praise him with the, the, the kindness that you express to the other person on behalf of God. You can praise him with your faithfulness at your job to, to, to walk with integrity, knowing that, that it brings glory to God. You can praise him by your, your quietness and your, your unwillingness to, to enter into an argument that's ungodly. You can praise him, you can praise him so many different ways. And the psalmist says, do all the ways. You know, should I praise God this way? Yes, praise him that way. Should I praise God this way? Yes, praise him that way. Now, please, next Sunday, please don't just come with flags and start running around. There's, there's order, but, but we want to praise God exhaustively and we know about this because there are other things that we do exhaustively I'm, and we're not all this but again 
You go to a, a you go to a, a, a concert and you you experience the concert. You involve yourself in the concert. You're jumping up and down. You're you're using your whole body. You know you you hurt your your back sleeping, but you're still jumping and pumping your fist because this is a great band and you love it. Right. Or you're at the 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 football game and and. I don't think most of the people here have done this, but you've painted your whole body blue and, or red or whatever your team is, and you've got the big foam finger and the hat and all the things, and you are praising the team with all of your might. And we know what this looks like, and we're okay with the foolishness of it when it comes to other things, but because God is someone that we're not necessarily keeping track of his score, uh, or he's not someone who's you know wearing a gold belt and playing electric guitar, um, we, we don't necessarily always feel comfortable praising him that way. But I, I, I always think back to David. There's this, this anecdote where, where the, the Ark of the Covenant had been out of Israel for a long time, and, and David is bringing it back. The presence of God is coming back, and he is so excited. He is dancing around like a maniac. I mean, he's just, he looks foolish. He's the king, but he's just dancing. I'm not going to do it because it was foolish. It looked foolish. His wife got really angry. She's like, oh, you're trying to impress those servant girls, huh? With your dancing. You think you're such a good dancer. You need to put on some clothes and stop, start acting like the king that you are. And, and he responds, you think I was foolish, but, but basically God was glorified in, in the hearts of those, those servant girls who watched. And God, if there was any question of who won that argument, it, it says later on, God struck his wife with barrenness. David understood, and David wrote so many of these psalms, he understood what it looked like to, to worship God unabashedly, unashamedly, without pretense. And if you're in this room, and, and that's just it's a little too much for you, I just want to encourage you that your God loves you unabashedly. He, he exalts over you. He didn't worship, but he exalts over you unabashedly. I mean, if you've ever seen a newborn with their, their when our first son was born, we were doing the whole thing, and there he was, and there was a baby. <laughs> That's weird. And I just wept. I just crumbled. Just, uh, I turned into water because I was so excited to see my son. And if you're in this room and, and you're like, I, I don't know, I, I feel weird raising my hands. God is so excited to see his son. God is so excited to see his daughter. We praise and we worship a God who is so excited to see you. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you, you, you've caught on to, you know, God is a judge, and he's a judge. God is wrathful, and he, he does pour out his wrath. And I mean, the gospel is it's serious business because Jesus takes on the full wrath of God. But why does he do it? Because God is so excited about his son. God is so excited about his daughter. He adopts us. He, he pulls us in. He receives us. Praise him with everything. And in those areas where you're afraid to praise him, let him minister his love to you. He goes on to say, 
Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is, this is the closing of the hymnal. And what are his final words to us? Everything worship God. Everything worship God. You know, what's crazy to me is that there are frogs that are croaking and living a life that perfectly glorifies God. The deer that are running in front of your car at three in the afternoon because Ashburn is growing too fast are still, they're doing what they're made to do and they're worshiping God. There are birds that are flying and fish that are swimming and tigers and lions and bears. Oh my. And they are all They're all worshiping God. They're praising God. They do not struggle to do what they were purposed and called to do. And and what he's doing, he's not he's he's not saying, come on, let's let's set let's set the tone, guys. No, he's saying, let's join in with with what creation and heaven is already doing. Let's worship and praise our God. So my question is, what is your purpose today? Now we've, got, we've all got this like the wheel of purposes. You know, your parents have purposes for you. Your, your spouse has a purpose for you. Your, your employer has a purpose for you. Your government has a purpose for you. Your community has a purpose for you. Your social um, circles have purposes for you. And that's fine. I'm not saying that we're going to get weird and, and put on sackcloth and ashes and we're going to worship God all day. But... But all of those purposes ought to come kind of in line, right? They all bow and worship God. And if you have a purpose in your life that is kind of obstinate and doesn't want to bow to God, that's a purpose that God does not have for you. Why do we come here to do church? Why do, we, why do we talk about reaching the Route 7 corridor? Why do we talk about winning the city? Why do we talk about planting a church in Denver? Why do we talk about uh, inviting your friends to church on Sunday? Why do, we, why do we talk about this? Because you and I and all of creation was, was fashioned and formed for the express purpose of bringing glory to God. Whatever we do, we were, we were created to praise God, to sing hallelujah with our words and our actions. That is our purpose. When you're in the middle of that, that is when you're living your life the most real, the most authentic, the most accurate to who you are, who your identity is. You want to know what, it like, what it's like to live to live your life to the fullest, you worship God. Praise the Lord. Praise God in a sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute. Praise him with the harp. Praise him with the tambourine. Praise him with your marriage. Praise him with your parenting. Praise him with your employment. Praise him with your your thought life. Praise him with your hobbies. Praise him with what you watch on Netflix. Praise him with all the things. Let everything that has breath join in the chorus of all creation that is saying, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.